Hey everybody, welcome to the Big Planet Comics Podcast. This is episode 155. I am Nick. I'm Kelly. I'm Jared. And we're here to talk about the Pope. <laughs> <laughs> Il Papa. Uh, oh my God, his rap name should be I just Il saw Papa. Him. Il Papa. It'd be amazing. Yeah, you call me Il Papa. Um, yeah, we just saw him. He just drove by the store a little while ago. Yeah, if you don't live in Washington, D.C., basically our lives shut down <laughs> yeah. for, for the the. The papal visit. But yeah, he's, he's, he's doing um, Philly in New York, so everyone will be all wham jammed. He went to Ben's Chili Bowl with Obama, I think. <laughs> I don't know where he was coming Took some from. Selfies. He was okay. definitely coming from that direction, but Hopefully yeah, he drove by. You could, I could see him sitting in his Fiat. Waving. He's waving. He was waving great. at everybody. It was cool. I was like, "What? That's a Pope. He's right there. He was like twenty feet away." Yeah, it was cool. Does, front of the store. Does his little cape blow up and cover his face? That's my favorite <laughs> thing when that happens. <laughs> no, he wasn't driving either. I was hoping he would be driving. That's really weird. You he think was sitting in the back seat, just like have some snaps or something on the front to keep hold it down. No, they're like just <laughs> albums of photos of his yeah. face covered by <laughs> various <laughs> papal, papal uh, clothing. Maybe that's why he's trying to keep things simple. He's like, just just get some practical clothes. It's ridiculous. <laughs> what are you moving up to, Jared? Uh, I found a kitty cat outside of my house. What? Uh, yeah, the house next door is being worked on, and so the backyard is mainly finished, but it's got some construction stuff. And I heard a noise, and I was like, what is that? And I went outside, and there was this cute little kitten. So I've got a kitten. That's cool. But, Does it have a name? Are you yes. keeping it? Oh, yeah. It's the gray mouser. He's super awesome. Oh. He's very friendly. Uh, he's got terribly sharp claws, which I finally cut. Uh, nice. And he's adorable. Nice. He hasn't eaten any comics. He knows how to use a litter box. He's super friendly. He's like the best cat ever. Congratulations. Awesome. Yep. So I took him to the vet. Uh, those things are very expensive. Yes. <laughs> it's been a long time <laughs> since I've had a pet. So I'm like, oh boy. So, I actually found a cat the other day too. Uh, but I assumed it belonged to somebody nearby. It wasn't a kitten. Okay. It was a fully grown, really fat cat. So uh, <laughs> I, assume, I assumed it had some owners Did it have nearby. a collar that said, please no, don't had... feed me anymore? It didn't have any collar. So yeah. that, that was like, whose cat is this? But it, yeah, it was just randomly in the middle of the street one night when I was walking down. Now weird. Was it friendly? Yeah. It was friendly. Nice. It was re- it was too friendly. Just like followed you home. It was just <laughs> rubbing on my legs yep, nonstop, yep. like on my feet. It cats was just are like, no oh. dummies, man. This one was all over me. But yeah, they're like, come on, I was like, I gotta go. Take me home. My cat it. Oh, doesn't do that to me in my house. Yeah. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. He's not interested in rubbing. This cat almost jumped in my legs. car. I was like, oh, get yeah. out of here. Once you get in the house, they're like, all right, I made it. I don't have to be nice yeah. anymore. <laughs> they're not dummies. It was cool. What about you, Kelly? Kelly? What'd you do? Uh, well, I sp- I spent all my money at SPX, so I've been trying to um, I've been going to the library and like reading library books, and yeah. I realized I, uh, I a few years back I'd never well when I was growing up I never read like Wrinkle in Time or any of the Madeline Lingle books, but... and so I read the first four like that whole series. Oh, wow. when I was like I don't know twenty five, right? And I didn't realize that she had more, and so I was like You're in cool. the same series. Well, I mean or the, just more the books? family continues. Oh. Um, I didn't know that either. Yeah, so I've been reading those, and they're all, it's the second series of like the O'Keefe family series, too. There's, it's oh, wow. all broken out very interestingly. Um, but yeah, they're all written in the 70s. And so huh. it's been this interesting exercise of. Yeah, it, I read them in the 80s. I think. It's very dated. Like, it's very oh, dated. Really? And huh. I'm reading this stuff, and I'm thinking, like, on the one hand, there are definitely things in here that I am offended by. On the other hand, it's like, did I read this as a kid and like just absorb it? Of, of other huh. things and i kind of want to go back and reread the stuff that i read you know when what? i was really little and yeah. then like how much did i not notice how much did i just like totally absorb weird because yeah there are bits yeah. where there's uh, i read arm of the starfish and one of the the main characters is this 12 year old girl 
and there are a few bits where they're talking about like who she's going to marry and her measurements mm. and it's stuff that uh. I'm like this makes me uncomfortable <laughs> and I can see it's done in a very like it's a sweet and funny way but it's also like this is not a thing that would fly in 2015 <laughs> or probably not even in 1995 <laughs> to well, be completely I, well, honest. I just found an old Robert Heinlein book at a used bookstore that I picked up uh, Farnham's Freehold mm-hmm. where basically I think it was in the 50s or 60s he wrote it there's these people living in a, a nuclear shelter because they're being attacked by the Soviets and the attack blasts them into the future in which the entire northern hemisphere has been wiped out so that all is left are the like southern hemisphere people so there are no white people left and of course most of them are white yeah so it's this weird like how would society change but it is like still so uber racist in so many ways that you're just like this is very interesting and very uncomfortable and oh my gosh i can't believe i'm reading this book but yeah i mean you get the same thing from reading like old Donald duck comics yeah no that's true (laughs) but i don't know it just because it's a kid's book yeah like i don't know it's making that's different yeah it's I don't know. I expected it to be just sort of an easy read. And on the one yeah. hand, it has been. On the other hand, it's like I'm thinking critically in a way that I didn't expect. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Huh. That's kind of awesome, though. So, yeah. Interesting. So, yeah. Uh, it's been an interesting couple weeks. Yeah. But, yeah. Sure. We're all let's recovering about from some... SPX. Yeah, I'm still dying. Um, <laughs> should, let's just... should spread out your comic creation over more than five days <laughs> next speed, time. Speed ahead to the news because I'm, right. I'm going to pass out in a second. <laughs> okay. All right, what do we got this week? Uh, big thing. One of these is big. One of these is small. I'll talk about the small one first. Okay. Yeah. Uh, Mary Jane Watson from Spider Man. Yes. Uh, is going to be in Invincible Iron Man, starting okay. with issue four. Uh, it's not clear what she's going to be doing. Maybe a love interest for Tony Stark, which would be Please really weird. Don't be a love interest for Tony. But Stark. I think she's just going to yeah. be. Yeah. I don't know what she would be. I mean, man, they we'll haven't said. They're being very closed mouth about it. Yeah, we'll find out. But yeah, it's an interesting kind of trading of characters uh between books but uh yeah but the big news uh i don't know how to pronounce the name tanahisi coats yeah tanahisi coats is going to write black panther for marvel so it's pretty interesting he's a really big writer so he is but he's i don't own i'm really really excited about this because he is um, one of my absolute favorite writers, but I know him as a writer of nonfiction. I, I haven't read any of his fiction stuff. I was, I was stuff. reading an article. I don't think he's written much fiction. He uh, has written some. Oh, has he? Okay. But not comics. He is a yeah. huge comics fan. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah no. he was saying that oh, in the article. Yeah. yeah, I follow him on Twitter, and it's like literally equal parts like, you know, commentary on the the life of the black American and like talking about Marvel comics. Like that's, <laughs> <laughs> it's really interesting. Yeah. Which is perfect for this book. So yes. yeah. Um, yeah. But no, uh, I was talking uh, with some people in the store the other day, right when this was announced and they're like, wait, there was a previous black Panther comic. They thought it was like almost an onion article. Just the fact that there is a character named Black, Panther. Black Panther. Oh yeah! If you have never heard of it, like their first thought is the Black Panther Party, and so right. people are like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "Uh, well, it's a weird '70s thing Marvel did based on a fake African kingdom that was techno." You know, it's like he's such a strong, great character, right. but it's still, you know, who was invented by some white dudes? I'm assuming. Yes. Maybe not, yeah. but probably. Yeah. So yeah, I hope he does some really good stuff with this. Yeah, um, he's got some big twelve issue story planned. Oh out, man, so. that's great. I we'll am see. so yeah. excited. Yeah. yeah, it's 
pretty great. Good and job, I think Marvel. it's yeah, a really good sign of I, I I'm really curious to know how this happened. Like if it was somebody th- said because it's such a it's not because because he, he's not someone who's written a lot of right, fiction or right. a lot of comics before. Like if somebody because it, it feels like some of those things where you know somebody tweets like, "Hey, if you want me to write a comic, I'll do yeah. it." Like in joking, and someone actually reached out to yeah, him and was yeah. like, "Hey, you want to do?" <laughs> yeah, yeah, or he could have just been like, "Hey, guys, I don't really want to write a comic, but like, give me something." Yeah, yeah, that's probably it. I but mean, yeah. but uh, if the, Black Panthers, but no, needs who, a writer. <laughs> well, who was it? it? Was just saying that like you need three of any minority to not be like super, you know, token. Yeah. Yeah. So, like basically you have that and like Marvel does not have three black writers on their entire staff. Oh gosh, no. Yeah. So maybe, well, he, maybe he could have, have also just now go, and I'm he, like, that's a start. He could have also just gone to them and been like, I want to write black. Oh, I'm sure, I'm sure. But I'm Who excited knows? that Marvel is slowly stumbling oh, yeah. into the late, late twentieth yeah. century yeah. here. So they're getting more diverse. So they got a little bit of flack when they first announced their new titles. But yes. all the ones after that have been like incredibly diverse. Yeah, and we so, didn't yeah. mention it last week, but um Brittany Williams, who's drawing um, Hellcat. Yeah. She she's black as well. Oh good. Yeah, and her stuff is so good. We yeah, didn't yeah. talk about the art on that uh, at how all. Awesome but she, is. she yeah, yeah. she does she did this really awesome series of uh Justice League characters in like traditional samurai garb. Oh, that it sounds looks awesome. Really cool. great. Yeah. That's really so, cool. Sorry, that's a little off topic. That's awesome. Nope, on topic. Well, that's awesome all the news art. we got. Uh, cool. and we have one question from some mysterious person. <laughs> All right, we have one question today. What is it? And it's from me. <laughs> from who? From me, oh, Nick. You. Uh, Nick says, <laughs> with all the new wait, replacement wait. heroes. Who's he talking to? Just you or you to guys, all of us? To oh. all of us. Hey, Nick. Including myself. Yep. This is surreal. Uh, <laughs> this is more surreal than seeing the Pope. Well, no, maybe not. Uh, with all the new replacement heroes, like Falcon Cap, Jane Foster Thor, and Jim Gordon Batman, what hero would you like to be replaced and by what other hero would you like to be like you you understand what i'm saying this is a terrible question like this guy's totally unclear so falcon is captain america now yes right? Right. like who would you like to see be like i don't know the next superman or something like that hmm. like is there any characters you would think would be interesting as like a change up like that hmm. That's like jane question. foster is thor and like yeah jim gordon is batman so not it sort of sounds like you were asking what hero I wanted to live my life. Yeah. <laughs> which <laughs> No, no, like which I could tell you. <laughs> like oh. you could tell me that too. But yeah, just like but okay. I don't know, I thought it would be interesting to think up some other ones like um I don't know, like uh maybe like uh what's her name? Uh Cheetah replacing like Wonder Woman or something like that. Yeah. For a while or becoming Wonder Woman. I don't know. Yeah, any cool ones? I just want to, I would say it's, I don't know, I feel like it's maybe too easy, but I want to see America Chavez be Captain America. Oh, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, that would be. Would it be Miss Captain America? No, she would be, (laughs) she would be Captain America. She would drop the Miss. I think, I think. I mean, her name is America, so. Right, right, that's true. I think you had a good point about Wonder Woman, because like, Batman is pretty interesting that he has like a constant rotating set of replacement sidekicks. But you don't have that for Superman or Wonder Woman. So I think either one of them would be pretty interesting to see. I guess Superman's had, like, when he died, quote unquote. Um, yeah, there was a bunch of He Superman. had a bunch of lame stand ins. Right. But Wonder Woman's never had anyone like that. That'd well, be pretty interesting. Who's her? Is it Donna Troy? Uh, Donna oh, Troy. I think yeah. Donna Troy might have stepped in at some yeah. point. Yeah, I think she has. Maybe even Wonder mm-hmm. Girl. Yeah. Um, yeah, Wonder Girl. Whose name I can't remember. So maybe, like, a good Superman. I feel like if there was maybe, like, Supergirl taking over would be kind of cool mm-hmm. if she, like, just did it without. Clark can't be around. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, there's a lot of... That's a good I, question. I, mean, I was thinking about it, and it was just like a weird question. If he's me. still, you know, running around with no powers, that would be an, a yeah. 
an interesting thing. That would be kind of cool. I don't know. I, th- I, guess I feel doing, like, um, are you wanting us to do like something really out of left wing? Something yeah, <laughs> something, <laughs> out of something crazy. Because they're doing, you know, they're doing Amadeus Cho as like a uh, new Hulk. Hulk. What oh, about gosh. Howard the Duck as the new Iron Man? <laughs> build a new suit how to about, fit and dig it. How about uh, Unbeatable Squirrel Girl as Iron Man? She's got the, Ooh, the Iron Squirrel she suit. She does. That's true. She does have the Iron Squirrel suit. I feel like she, she would use over. his gadgets very poorly <laughs> in a very yeah. entertaining way. <laughs> oh, man. That'd be great. Yes. That'd be really cool. Yeah. Let's oh. just replace all of the old male <laughs> heroes with young female <laughs> heroes. Right. That's what I want. <laughs> Someday. We're getting there. Uh, Give it to me. Yeah, what else? Oh, male ones. Are, I think it could be a giant girl or a giant woman. I guess I think there was a giant girl at some point. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Giant man could be or like an ant woman. It's true. That'd be cool. Bring Big know. Barda in for somebody, please. Oh, that'd be awesome. Yeah. Just, Give that Big Barda as Wonder Woman. That'd be cool. Oh, my oh, that would goodness. Be that would be great. <laughs> I think Pitch we found it. a good one. <laughs> Pitch so is, it. Is Big Barda from like one. one of the new gods apocalypse yes. stuff? Yeah. That'd be a really interesting because like. For Wonder Woman, a lot of it's like the Greek mythology. Because she's already yes. a god. That's yes. what I'm saying. To like throw in that as a mythological counterpart, I think there's that'd even be pretty some. Interesting. Are you over- listening, to DC? Yeah. yeah, there's even some overlap no, in not. terms of like <laughs> they never listen. The colors she wears and the oh, like, yeah, you know, the way she dresses, nice. sort of. I don't know. They're mascarin. Well, we mm. found a good one. So. Yeah. There we go. That's pretty Nicely good. Done. Nicely done. Right. You answered your own question. <laughs> that was a good one. Oh uh, man! All right. But if someone else has questions, do you have any other ideas yeah. <laughs> about any other characters oh, yeah. that you would like to see? Uh, come up with him, and we'll we'll talk about him on the next episode. If you if you send him in to us, please um, do. That'd be fun. Yeah, I'd like to see some mashups. That'd be happen. cool. Uh, but yeah, you could do that by sending him to uh, at Big Planet Comics uh, on Twitter. P- pretty much everywhere. Uh, you can yeah, or podcast at Big Planet podcast Comics. Big Planet Comics. Yep. Facebook, Tumblr, in Tumblr, person, in person, over the phone. Didn't wasn't someone gonna send you? Telegraph or pigeons or something? Whatever. Telegraph that. pigeons. Yeah, I was very disappointed. <laughs> I I saw a pigeon outside, but uh, I didn't check for a note. He probably flew away. Very badly trained carrier (laughs) pigeon. (laughs) It was just sitting outside. Please make Um, sure that you're not tying notes to just random pigeons. Yes. Make sure sure you tie them to their leg also. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Anything else might make it difficult for them to fly. (laughs) Or over their eyes. Or breathe. (laughs) Oh, God. (laughs) Tie it around their necks. Uh, Be kind to pigeons. Be kind to pigeons. Uh, All right. That's all the questions we have. The quorum question from me. (laughs) Um, I'll see some reviews. We love comics, they're swell. Except when they're written by Scott Lovedell. I prefer important books like Louis Riel. It's time for reviews. All right. First up, we have Captain America White, number one, by Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. Uh, only four years late? Three years? Four? Five years? I don't even know. I'm checking copyright. I'm trying to find if it's in here. I might, oh, it was like 2008 or something like that. Look when the Zero issue uh-huh. was done. I'm trying um, to find it. I can't find it. But yeah, this is the part of the series with uh, they were doing. They did a Spider-Man Blue, right? Uh, Daredevil Yellow, Hulk and, Gray, uh, Hulk Gray, and then they were gonna do this one. But I don't know what happened. Yeah, so they were. Uh, did they first do Batman Long Halloween? Was that their first pick one, or did they do uh, that? I don't know. It was one of them. Anyway, so that's definitely one of the things they're probably best known for. But they're for the Marvel books. Each of those characters is kind of like looking at an earlier period of the characters with some sort of theme, like. Spider-Man Blue is him reflecting on the death of Gwen Stacy. Daredevil Yellow is when he's just starting out and, like, kind of dealing with his cowardice. So, like, they're kind of, you know, color-themed. So, the Captain America is white, which is an interesting one. Um, they said, I think they said in a little article at the back, it's not about race, but we'll see. Well, yeah, I don't know. it's just... Uh, they are fighting Nazis, so colors, who knows. Yeah. No, but, but each of the colors had a theme. It was, like, cowardice or depression or... Maybe white is, like, the... the 
the purity of Steve Rogers yeah. and Bucky. Maybe? I mean, it's hard not to see it as a race thing because yeah. of who is currently <laughs> Captain America. Right. So, I mean, it's true. badly timed. I'm, yeah, definitely a poorly timed. <laughs> also, also the fact that um, the whole book he's talking about Bucky being dead. So yeah, I'd, obviously it was written before Bucky was like part of the Marvel Universe again. Oh, that's true. Man, it's been so long. It's been that long. Wow. But yeah, so anyway, the Zero Issue came out as like a very short, like 10 or 15 page thing, and then nothing. And then finally this came out, which has number one. It's, it's number one, but it's also got the Zero Issue included in this one. Yep. Um, but yeah, so it's a lot of like, it's basically set in the World War II days, and it's kind of the early Bucky Cap starting off stuff. Um, I don't know. Like, it's a good Cap story. It's yeah, it's him doing some stuff. It's yeah. got the the framework of him, you I know, mean, thinking about Bucky's death and that kind of the framework of his, you know, should he have taken this kid into combat and all that stuff. Yeah, much like the other books in this series, they're about um somebody who lost somebody. That's true. Um Spider Man one was about Gwen Stacy and how he you know, he was sad about her being dead, and then the Daredevil one was about Karen Page. And then this one's Captain America lamenting the loss of Bucky. Oh, there um, you go. Uh the art he has on here drawn on one says 2008 2008 yep yep seven years uh but yeah Mm -hmm. so it was good but i feel like it kind of needs to be doing more so it's like a decent setup but hasn't done much with it yet that we haven't seen in other cap stories yeah Uh. so my problem with it is and i should preface this by saying that um i haven't read any of the previous things that they've done because i wasn't reading comics when they were coming out it was a long time ago um it it's the same cap story. Yeah. Like it's nothing new. Um it I was bored by it. <laughs> I, there was nothing in it, you know, nothing interesting that, you know, drew me in or made me go, "Oh, that's different." No, it was the same thing. And honestly, I don't like the art. Like I don't And maybe it's also I think, you know, I don't have nostalgia for or anticipation right. for a continued series. Right. Um but I don't know. I just I don't I just did not <laughs> understand the hype of this at all and i don't know if there was hype was there hype there was hype just there was because it had been hype. so long since yeah. this was supposed to come out and the, pe- and the other three were really good so. yeah i mean Mostly. and that's great the people who've been picking up picking it up honestly <coughs> i have noticed are not necessarily people who were like oh this finally came out it's oh this is an old captain america story like yeah. i remember sure yeah. hmm, so <laughs> yeah. so yeah i don't i feel like maybe marvel sort of mixed miss i mean mark. it's got a few a few things that are new um i think the stuff like the downtime between bucky and cap you don't really see much of them during world war ii like just doing normal stuff like shaving or like you yeah know, I, having conversations about that was honestly my favorite part about was, like, the war. when like they end up going to a bar to like try to make friends with the other soldiers where they're not in in their Steve Rogers and this kid, not Captain America and Bucky. You know, it's like a soldier and a young kid in the war trying to make friends, which I thought was an interesting contrast of like how they'd be perceived and like how they didn't actually know a lot of people. Oh, and I think they talked about it in the back too that that in theory, Captain America, you know, when he started off as Steve Rogers, he was unable to pass the fitness test to get into the right. army. Right. So when he suddenly became Captain America with the Super Soldier Serum, he hadn't had a lot of training. So in a lot of ways, he and Bucky are both these young kids who are getting into war for the first time, which I thought was an interesting thing. So, but again, there's a lot of like, there's like an eight page like interview with them in the back. So I think a lot of it is like that will be show up in the next issue or right. issue three. So maybe it's just like not a really good setup for um, 
no. what they're trying to tell yet. Well, the other stories probably read better altogether. Yeah, yeah. And maybe it's just because it's been so long since we've seen Captain America and Bucky as like yeah. a grown man with yeah, like a teenage side cut yeah. that I was sort of uncomfortable with their downtime <laughs> <laughs> of just this like yeah. dude who dragged a kid into a war. Right. <laughs> um, which is weird. Well, that no, seems weird to me. He pulled himself into it, right? He did. He's like, I yeah, want to be here. But, that's, but I don't that's know. the classic Batman and Robin thing. It's like, I know. That's running around with like a 10-year-old or something. This is at least a teenager. It's true. Right. But at least with the Batman and Robin stuff, a lot of it is this sort of like surrogate father thing. Right. So then you take him into combat with the Joker? No. No, <laughs> I don't know. I guess I mean, that's exactly what was, Captain America is. Just because this father. is set up as, I don't know, against the backdrop of a very real war. I don't yeah. know. I was uncomfortable with it. Well, that's always the weird part about throwing superheroes in any realistic situation. You're kind of like, ugh. But, but yeah, he's about the age. Like, some kids were that age fighting in World War II. That's true. He's like 15. Yeah. There's some 15-year-olds fighting World War II. Right. Yep. So, um, anyway, interesting, but we'll see with issue two. So, yeah. Uh, next up, we have Exit Generation number one by Sam Reed. Is it Reed or Red? Probably Reed. And Kayo Oliveira. So this has the same sort of setup as, um, did we review Broken World on the podcast? I think we did. Uh, maybe. I'm going to say maybe. Um, I don't remember. <laughs> oh. So basically, um, it's a little bit different. But uh, so Mankind has become so populous that we are running out of food. And so they realize um, they'll never be able to, you know, grow enough for right. everybody. And so they decide that they're going to put as much of humanity as possible onto these arcs and send them into space. And the arcs get out there and almost immediately, um, like, the oxygen breaks down and everybody dies. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but nobody knows that, though. Yep. Right. They're, so, like, far away under that they can't communicate with Earth, but then, like, you see them on the ship, like, oh, yeah, we're all about to die. Right. So there is this guy and... Well, the other um, thing is that, that 5% of the population couldn't fit. Yeah, so 5%, so 5 is stuck is left. Yes. Um, and some people by choice. Like, they give right. um, a lot of people by choice. Um, and so basically the people who were left behind ex were, they were expected to die, but you know, then everybody left and all of a sudden there's enough for everybody to yep. have everything. Like they talk about, they literally don't have currency anymore because you know, they barter and things are just there. Food is plenty, plentiful. And so the main character is this guy who his father left and his mother stayed behind, um, pregnant with him. And so he's born after all of this. And then at some point she leaves. And so he's raised by this other family and so he's, what, like 20? Yeah, yeah 20. just turning 20. Yeah. So he and his best friend um, and his brethren and family who are Muslim, and it's really, really well written. It's like, I loved that about yeah. this. Um, yeah, I like the characters a lot. Yeah. I, it, it kept me interested. And uh, <laughs> the only weird thing about it is that when there's that the twist happens, like it's a little jarring because <laughs> it's it's so goofy compared to the yeah. like sweetness of this right. rest of it yeah, yeah. And it's like it and it's so like it's like the, as unrealistic as space arcs for 95 percent of 8 billion people so it's still kind of hard science fiction and then right. this is like yeah. goofy science fiction. they're talking fiction. about like scrump little yumptious humans yeah, yeah. like wait what <laughs> but yeah the aliens have come to eat humanity yeah so i yeah. will say the thing i guess they're a delicacy now because there's not that many of them that's a good point the thing that I liked the least, honestly, was the first six pages because oh, really? it's all set up that um, then isn't like isn't part of the story. Right, it's right. just uh, set up. You want to bet? 
Um, I mean, it kind of is. We do not see anyone die. We say we're about to run out of air. Oh, yeah. Cut scene. Yeah, who knows? The rest of the humans could That's still true. be That's true. I don't know. Yep. But the bulk of the issue has nothing to do with that. Right. And right. that feels like a left turn. I guess it just no, because it takes a couple left turns. No, because so much of it is about like that he's abandoned by his dad who runs off and then he's abandoned by his mom. I think that's a big part of the setup of the character. Yeah. I, I think, I I think like the dad's it, coming back. I feel like it would be more interesting if they'd managed to tell this in the midst of telling the other story. Right. That's kind true. of going back oh, and yeah. forth rather than having it as a big chunk of flashback right. and then being like, 20 years later, none of this matters. Yeah, but I yeah. feel like the only reason for that is that they're probably going to come back to it. Yep. Somewhere. So I think it's important. Uh, but yeah, there's a lot of like big text info dumping to get all that set up. Uh, but it's very simple, though. Yeah, it it's is, not like yeah. a huge like expository thing. It's just That's like true. this happened, this happened, and then this happened. But yeah, it. so the center part of this book before the aliens show up and after the weird backstory is awesome. So I hope there's more of that. Yeah, it's really cool. I liked I like the relationship a lot. Between and the we didn't mention it, but the art is really good. Yeah, um, I love everybody's faces are different in a really interesting way. Um, the the like difference in races of people you don't see the same like yeah the same, the same facial colors features and stuff. over yeah. and over again um in a really cool way and then of course when the people show up at the end that's a whole other thing yeah <laughs> uh but yeah so on the whole i really liked exit yeah. generation number yeah, one I'll definitely, definitely super pick interesting up two. yeah uh next up we have oh that was exit generation number one uh we have infinite adventures of jonas quantum number one by mark guggenheim and freddie williams the second uh, so this is kind of another superhero book. Uh, the twist on this one is the main character is one of those super, super, super genius types who becomes a super Yeah, he's like dude. the smartest man alive. Literally, he comes out of his mom and starts talking seconds later. Uh, and so he's one of those guys who kind of outthinks everything and is always coming up with giant ideas for stuff. Um, yeah, he creates like everything, like time travel. Yeah, his his big thing, the the big newest development is something he calls death cure, which is basically to prevent death. Um, yeah. But he's kind of like so isolated from the rest of humanity, he doesn't really know how to do anything. Like he goes on dates and just doesn't know how to talk to people because uh, he's always just like hyper intellectually talking about everything. Yeah, he's always thinking about something else. Nobody knows what's going on. Um, but then uh, his death cure gets stolen from what he believed was something he had made totally unstealable, right? Uh, like an other dimension universe thing that he developed or whatever. Um, so that's kind of the main plot is him trying to figure out who did it and why someone stole something like that. Right. Um, so in some ways, that stuff is kind of a generic superhero-y storyline and stuff. But it's fun. But yeah, I thought he was a very interesting because you don't often get to see the super smart guy actually be doing super smart stuff right. because it would so mess up a superhero universe. But since <laughs> this is a new one, it's just, and he's the main character, you can kind of have him kind of running things and like all the big changes he's made and everything around him. But so intriguing. That was a good start. Yeah, it's very fun. Uh, yeah, and there's definitely some weird, crazy action scenes and him coming up with some really crazy twists on how to like defeat bad guys and stuff like that. And the art was pretty cool, especially when it was like him jumping dimensions or coming up with all his crazy inventions and stuff. Right. Yeah. It's very fun. Uh, so there's other fun stuff like, you know, he's like, it's like, do you see all of his inventions? It's like day, um, you know, 4,000 yeah, invented time travel. All but the then it's like day 3,000 yeah. went on a date on yep. my first date or whatever. So there's some cool stuff like that. Um, but yeah, it's fun. That was Infinite Adventures of Jonas Quantum. Number one. Uh, next up, we have The Paybacks, number one, by Donnie, Donnie Cates, Elliot Rall, and Jeff Shaw, who all did... Um, Buzzkill, which came out like a oh. year or so ago. 
Yeah, so Donnie Cates and Elliot Rahal are the writers in Jeff Shaw. Is the artist, yeah. yeah. So Paybacks is about a um, an organization that is, they are a repo agency, but specifically for like heroes. Heroes and villains, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, the, the capes. Um, no. And they're not, you know, normal themselves right. either. Uh, so it starts out basically with a team going out to repossess what is essentially the bat cave. Yeah. Um, <laughs> the belongings of the night night. Right. Uh, one of those nights starts with a K. <laughs> um his his sidekick is a unicorn it's the nightmare nice he doesn't yep. ride the unicorn it's just the sidekick yep <laughs> <laughs> which is the greatest um so yeah just it's a very well thought out like there are a lot of jokes that work on a number of levels in a really cool way yeah and um i, I love the setup of it i love the pacing of it and um, like the van that the uh, the repo agency is based out of is this sort of like bigger on the inside sort of thing. <laughs> and the guy who drives the van is a major character himself. Um, yeah, the van is just, yeah, the van is pretty crazy. It's pretty great. <laughs> so yeah, you've got the main team and then you're also seeing this other team that's basically getting their, their butts kicked in a different thing. And I'm assuming what's left of them is going to come into play in the next issues. Right. But yeah, just honestly... Sometimes you get a first issue that works on the premise alone, and this is definitely one of those issues. Yeah, and it was really funny. It's um, very funny. Yeah, that's really fun. Yeah, and, uh, I recommend Buzzkill if you haven't read that too. But uh, see, I didn't like Buzzkill, kind of but I like. Plus, I read more lot. of it. <laughs> <laughs> it's good. Um, yeah, that's Paybacks number one. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, next up, what are we at? Public Relations number one by Matthew Sturgis and Dave Justice. Uh, so this book is super weird and <laughs> does a lot of like weird storytelling tricks uh that a lot of people try in comics and kind of fails um oh sorry and so those were the co-writers on this and the art was by david hahn um but somehow this works um because it starts off with all these people on a fancy jet and they're all talking about their great corporate success they just had and then the pilot uh passes out and the plane starts to crash and you realize that they're actually in just a giant like container on the back of a dragon that's crashing. And so like normally that's the sort of weird stuff because then right after that goes a month ago, which is, you know, Kevin's worst hated thing about the jumps yeah, back and true. forth in storytelling. But for this, it kind of works um, because it goes into a very simple setup about the main character, Dan, and just like he gets invited to visit his dad in a very poor country in Europe and invites the cute girl from his uh, office who he's always wanted to ask out to go. And they find out that uh, since she's actually smart that this is the only country in the world where magic works yeah <laughs> and uh there's a lot of crazy twists uh, as the magic stuff starts coming more and more into it and then it jumps back to the present so there's a lot of like weird storytelling jumps and then it goes two weeks ago it's like stuff like that that i think in most cases fails and doesn't tell the story very well uh but in this case it pulls it off um and I like almost all the characters except for the main one. I think that's my problem. Dan is kind of like... I like him all right. Yeah, but he's just such like a weird loser, <laughs> boring guy. Like, yeah, he's uh, the least interesting person in the comic. Yeah, and he's the... the it's like Ted Mosby syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but everything around him, I mean, should we say the twist about the dad? Some crazy stuff around him. Well, his dad... Yeah. Does that as a king? Yeah, so apparently his like, dad has become you know king. You know that somewhere in the middle. Yeah, becomes king of this magical country, which yeah. he had no idea his, you know, his estranged father who he's barely seen and ever talks to. And then there's other twists. Um, yeah. So, I don't know. 
I really liked it in terms of very appealing, catchy stuff. But yeah, I thought it was an interesting story. I liked the the. I thought it was a different kind of story that yeah. I, haven't, I haven't seen before, involving like corporations and a magical kingdom, and I don't know. It's really, really joke heavy. Which That's true. To be not to be the the killjoy. It's. I mean, I don't have a problem with humor, but it's the sort of it's the sort of jokingness where it's like it makes a joke and then it points at the joke and then it points at the joke again just in case you <laughs> missed it the first two times, which I get tired of very quickly. So I was sort of into it and then I got to the middle and I was like, it's going to keep doing this. Yeah. Well, I think a lot of it is that they use captions a lot. Um, so it's kind of like the narration. Yeah. The omniscient narrator is doing a lot of the jokes, which is kind of weird. So um, I was sort of into it in the beginning. And yeah, I got I got tired of it. I really like the art, though. I don't know. It kept me going. The art, yeah, the art. He does great. really good facial expressions. Yeah, David Hahn's good. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Some really good uh, designs for the characters and for all the eventually crazy magic stuff that starts showing up, which yeah. I thought was pretty good. The dragons with... Yeah, that there's an airport airplanes. with dragons landing at it, which I think is pretty cool. So, <laughs> like, that's a good mix of styles. So, yeah. So, definitely very interesting. Uh, all right. That was Public Relations number one. Next up, we have Terror Salter, One Man War on Terror. Uh, it's a book. <laughs> collects... I, did this come out in issues? I'm not even sure. I think this is all new. Yeah, um, it's new. But it's uh, a new Benjamin Mara book. Uh, Benjamin Mara is one of my favorites, and this is one of the best books I've ever read. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this book is. is so Nick. This it's is amazing. my book to the max. It was uh, written for him. This book was so funny. I was, it cracked me up the entire time. Uh, basically, One Man War of Terror is about like... I don't even know how to explain it. Basically... Uh, it says on the back. So basically, Most of like the world is being taken over by... Uh, terrorists. So yeah, they create the terror assaulters, yeah. which is just well, like yeah, they're they're created after nine eleven by George yeah. W. Bush. It's like it's a caricature of uh, the post nine eleven world. Right. Yeah. But then like halfway through, the terrorists take over the entire country, um, and uh, he has to kind of take the country back. Um, <laughs> but the the thing that makes his book great is it's like it's very uh, super like exploitation movie style. So it's super violent. Um, Super sexual, but super sexual like, and like graphically really sexual, and graphically every, funny ways. Um, and everyone is constantly saying, like, stating yeah. what yeah. they are doing. They're stating what they're doing, and that makes it so hilarious. Yeah, it's um, like if you're watching the most woodenly acted '80s big muscled action film. It's exactly. There's like a part that. where the terrorists—that's what this uh, is parodying. The terrorists are uh, on an airplane. And they all get up and they're like, "Watch out! We're hijacking the airplane." <laughs> it's just stuff like that. And the, yeah. the main guy. Uh, like one man war on terror yes. is his actual name yes. or code name. Well, when he, whenever he, the way he says of stating things, if someone says like, you know, did you come what you look for? And he says, I'll say this. And no, he's like, he says, let's just say, let's just say, <laughs> and then say, he quotes and he'll be like, I didn't or something yeah. like that. He'll say exactly <laughs> what he was going to say. <laughs> but he, yeah, he prefaces it always with let's just say, <laughs> Which, and it's always put in quotations. It's so stilted, me. but then when you realize that everyone is doing it, it becomes funnier and funnier because it's more and more ridiculous. You know, it's like bad guys are like, I'm shooting you with my machine gun and like, yeah. I'm going to punch you you're in the fast, throat. You're fast at dodging. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which is all uh, exactly like, how terrible these action films from the 80s are like even though it's supposedly set in 2002 I mean, my favorite whatever, scene but. is there's uh there's a scene where he's having sex with this guy while he's he's flying uh, a plane flying a plane that's crashing <laughs> uh it's super graphic but it's, it's hilarious I don't know. it's great yeah the, uh, the one thing that surprised me in this i mean the plot's all ridiculous and like over the top and stuff the one thing that surprised me is just like his 
uber over the top sexuality. Just oh yeah, he'll everyone have sex with everybody because no it was matter so exploitative, yeah. you know, exploitative that I was just like, oh, of course he gets the girl. I'm like, no, he gets everyone. He okay, just has he's sex just with the best everybody. guy ever. Everybody all the time. Uh, yeah, and they Everywhere. say really funny things that I can't possibly say. Yeah, on here. this is definitely um, very extreme. Not for yeah, <laughs> yeah the uh, faint of heart, shall we say? Yeah, it's good. Uh, but yeah, uh, Benjamin Mar's art is I don't even know how you describe it. Um, it's almost this weird kind of intentionally like bad but awesome yeah. thing. So he draws mullets really well, which is one <laughs> yeah, of those things where something. it sounds like it should be an insult, but in this case, it's not. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so that, I feel like that sums up this yeah. book. He draws yeah. mullets really well. Yep. Uh, but yeah, the cover is like a Conan the Barbarian type dude with like a chainsaw in one hand, a machine gun in the other, having his head completely decapitated by one man war on terror as a beautiful girl cowers in the background. That's it. That's that the book. Let's book. just say correct. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's, the that's, it's the best. That's a quote from the comic. <laughs> yeah. If you can appreciate uh, that, you should buy it immediately. If this sounds terrible, never ever pick that book up. Uh, that's so good. Uh, that was uh, I was gonna say public creation. That was Terror Salter, One Man War and Terror. Um, next up, we have Tokyo Ghost number one, which I also liked um, a lot. But uh. Tokyo Ghost is kind of like who's hard, it, to, who's it hard to sum up. It's by Mark Millar. Or Mark, no. no, it's not by oh. Mark Millar. I keep thinking of that because of Chrononauts. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's by Rick Remender and Sean Murphy, who drew Chrononauts. There you go. <laughs> Tie it um, together. Yeah, Tokyo Ghost is it's a very interesting idea. It's about kind of it takes place in Los Angeles in the future, and it's uh, most of it's underwater, so it's like a bunch of islands. Um, and the main characters are Led and Debbie and... In this world, they work for this corporation that kind of runs all of this Los Angeles. Um, and everybody in the city is constantly on the internet and tied to some kind of media at all times. Just but so it, they it's can. It's more like every part of the internet is going into it. So it's not yeah. just like they're watching a TV show. It's like they're watching a TV show. There's different while levels. Tweeting while right. having like videos coming at them while like yeah. calling people. Yeah, it's insane. There's different levels of it. Like uh, the main, uh, <laughs> one of the main characters led. Is uh, they're both cops that work for the uh, corporation, the Flack Corporation that runs everything, um, and he's uh, Led is is constantly he has his helmet on that hooks him up to everything, so he's just being bombarded with media at all times, and he doesn't really do anything else. And uh, Debbie is his his you know uh, love interest, and and she's kind of tired of him being so detached and she wants him back and she she thinks there's this place in Tokyo that might be able to help him um and so uh most of the first issue is them just kind of doing their job they're fighting this criminal um who's <laughs> in control of all these crazy things but basically they do whatever the corporation wants um but you see little glimmers of lead coming out of his shell and then going back into it so it's kind of like sad at the same time um and I'm interested to see where it goes uh, in the back, he said, um, he's got, you know, his influence for like Road Warrior, Judge Dredd, and 13 Assassins, but he says that comes into play a little later. Um, but yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Sean Murphy's art is <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. Uh, my problem with this is that like Sean Murphy's art might be some of the best he's ever done. He has so many crazy things to draw on this. Yeah. There's like, uh, you know, there's dudes on formula racing with giant chainsaws coming out of the ground. There's like video stuff everywhere. There's mutated people. There's giant motorcycle races stuff. There's mutated people. So he has a lot to work with. Um, crazy bar scenes and video game interfaces and right. stuff. This 
I don't know. The story just is such a weird, over-the-top mess. But I think that's kind of what the first issue is supposed to be, because you're supposed right. to see, like, this is how this world is. Everything is super overwhelming. Um, and it looks like, from what they show later on, they go to a more relaxing place. <laughs> right. I can see that. That, you know, that's what you're trying to set up. But uh, that lost me. Like, I didn't, yeah. like, especially with, like, Led being so tied up and stuff that he's basically a non-character in this. So I mean, you see a little bit of it, but you see how, like, little. how detached he is from everything. And, you, and from... From Debbie's narration, you see that he was a different person. Right. She's very, you know, she loves him, but she's she just can't deal with it anymore. I don't know. I thought it was a very interesting idea. But yeah, they have a little preview in the back, which is like kind of this weird, like, uh, lead being in a very, like, serene, overgrown wilderness with, like, a samurai dude walking around. Yeah. I'm like, and the palette's all changed, and it, like, seems much more yeah. quiet. That's why I think this issue was supposed to be kind of super overwhelming. Well, I understand, but they should have had that in the first issue as well. Right? Yeah. Well, like, the thing that came... If that was the last page, right. I would have been much more intrigued, like... But the thing that came through the most, I think, was the the, the relationship and how she, you know, she wants him back and... Well, know, I understand that, but I think cool. it was overwhelmed by all the other crazy stuff. I don't think he did a good job of it, so. I think you're wrong. Uh, My... Yeah. I just want to... Throw in here. Throw in. Um, recent, uh, recently, my problem with Reminder's stuff... Um, and I'm repeating myself to something I was saying to Jared earlier, but um, that he's really good at inventing worlds and kind of creating things and coming up with an interesting idea and not good at all at creating characters that I care about at uh, all. You're so wrong. Uh, <laughs> Deadly I mean, Class has like the best no, characterization and, okay, of any comic I've, that's coming out. You, right were he- you were not here for this earlier. Deadly yeah. Class is the exception. And, I, and yeah. I think that that has a lot to do with the fact that it's based and a great deal on his life. Below has amazing characters. Too. Uh, I do not care about a single person. Lo in Low is so good. Um, so yeah, I mean, obviously we're different. We're different audiences here. Yeah. But yeah, I was not brought in at all for this. The, the, every what she is wearing in this drives me crazy <laughs> because there's yeah. no good reason for it. And you know, she's wearing she's wearing the sweater that's falling off her shoulders, and right. so you can see her bra. She's wearing these these tiny shorts that are falling down, and you can see a thong. And right. it's like. I don't know. But she's like an action cop, too. But she's an like, action cop. Not, and know. the women that you see in the background really aren't that much better. And that frustrated me a lot. But that's kind of this society. Like, everything's great. Like, he's crazy. Look, the main character is like, he's like, you know, he's wearing like this crazy, like, tight, weird jacket. And he's like strapped into like this, like. True. But you can't just call something crazy thing. and be like, that's the reason why women are exploited. That's no, but they're exploited in this world, and that's part of the story. No, and I think that yeah, like, I understand the point you're trying to make, Nick. But again, he doesn't show the counterpoint. Yeah. So it's I like mean, if this was a 48 page issue where it went into that, you could be like, all right, let me see. Oh, this is where it's going, but you don't see it. Like, okay, well, you guys so read the trade. That's what I'm saying. But talk, like, we'll talk about it. But later. people aren't going to get to the trade. They're going to flip through this issue and be like, this isn't for me. They'll so. get to it pretty pretty well. Uh, that was that Tokyo Ghost number one. Some conflicted opinions. Yeah. <laughs> There uh, we go. Jared and Kelly are wrong. Um, <laughs> I'm right. Uh, next up, wrong. we have a New Deal by Jonathan Case, which we can all agree is pretty good. Yes. It's great. So this is a, another book, big, beautiful hardcover from Dark Horse. Uh, Jonathan Case did The Green River Killer, if you've ever read that. I don't know that he has done anything. He did the art on that, and he did one before that, but I think this is the next project. I don't think he's done anything between those two. Yeah, yeah and he uh, wrote He did this. Batman 66, guys. Oh, that's right. He did some of those. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thanks. Sorry, Nick. <laughs> so this takes place in, um, God, I don't even know, the 50s, maybe? Yeah, no. it says on the first page of the Earlier year. Earlier than that, 1936. Yeah. So Depression-era New York. 
Um, takes place in the Waldorf Astoria Hotel. It's about a bellboy and a maid, and uh, the very, very ridiculously wealthy people who come and stay in this hotel. And um, I love the two of them together. I love that they're different lives. Like she is, um, she is an actress, and she is in um, Orson Welles. It was called the Voodoo uh, Macbeth which was an actual thing that happened. It was Macbeth with an all-black cast. Um, Directed by Orson Welles? Yes, Orson Welles. <laughs> um, and so and all the way he draws her and her acting and her face and all of that is fantastic. Um, her name is... I've already lost it. Teresa, right? Teresa, yeah. Uh, Teresa and Frank. Um, so, so Teresa like basically just wants to like do her job and be in her play and have, you know, as good a life as she can. Um, she's black, like I said. And Frank is kind of trying to hustle. He's in a great deal of debt to yeah. a uh, um, an explorer-type guy. To a rich guy. To yeah. a very rich explorer-type. <laughs> um, and so he's trying to pay back. And in the midst of all of this, um, a very valuable dog collar is stolen <laughs> from one of the women in the hotel. Um and so one of them is accused, and it sort of turns into this interesting crime story. Um, but yeah, it is so good. It's so good. All the parts of this are so good. Yeah, it's one of those like very. There's a lot of, like a moving parts. There's a lot of plot development and twists and stuff, but it all fits very nicely. But I think it hinges on how good these characters are. Yeah. That um, I you know even though Frank's kind of a doofus and is always in over his head, like I still cared about him. Like I was right. rooting for him to like everything together and stop screwing up well, so much. Well, because he's nice and he defends her. You know, he's got his, right. his moment. Sort he of. He, he defends her partially. Like, yeah, he, you can see that he's trying. Right. Um, but yeah, like... I mean, he almost gets fired defending yeah. her. Yeah, but he defends <laughs> her a little late. But anyway, uh, but yeah, that just like so many weird things are happening in this, but it totally fits because it's so many eccentric rich people running around and yeah. then like all the characters are coming from different backgrounds and stuff, but it was great. I can't... I can't emphasize how much how great the faces are. Some of yeah. these panels are of two people like just right up in, in each other's faces, like talking to yeah. each other, and it is never boring. Yeah, it's yeah. always interesting. Amazing. <laughs> um, yeah, I adored this book. Yeah, it's, it's very, just very black good. and white with like a gray, blue, gray kind of shading on a yeah. few things, but it worked great. Um, it's super awesome. There's some great twists at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's really funny. Awesome. Really fun. Really, really uh, it's good. really of the time period. There's a lot of yeah. racial undertones in it. Yeah, I thought he did a really good job of like you, having a character who is not like you know he's not what you might expect of as like you know the typical racial guy, but a right. racist guy. But he's also not like a 21st century self insert sort right. of thing. Like he's a flawed character, and so right. um, I don't know. I, I thought that was really well done in a way that was like sympathetic, but also like understandable. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, so yeah, that was New Deal. Y'all liked it. Yep, definitely check it out. And that's it for the episode. Yep. And ending Jesus. on a so tired. Ending on a uh, agreeable note. Yes. <laughs> agreeable note. There we go. We all love the New that Deal. Was great. Definitely check it out. Uh, yeah, we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye.